Okay, everybody, welcome back to Draco's Den, and we are on week two of me having to review AEW Dynamite shows. Thankfully, their next pay-per-view is not coming up within this month in which I agreed to watch this shit, so I don't have to find a way to pay for that crap. But week two in this show was the, uh, the main event was obviously the big blood and guts or whatever the fuck they call it match which is basically war games but they can't call it war games so just like last week i'm going to review everything that i see in order i can guarantee there's going to be parts that i'm going to fast forward through i'm not going to apologize for that i'm going to mention it if i fast forward through it and why i fast forward through it i'm probably going to fast forward through a majority of the matches i'm going to watch However, the Blood and Guts match in its entirety, because it's the only thing that I don't feel that I'm going to pick apart from beginning to end. But whatever criticisms I have, I'm going to keep. And um, we'll see how this goes. I don't have high expectations of anything AEW related. But some of y'all are really enjoying these reviews, and I don't fucking know why. But if y'all enjoy it, I'm going to review it, at least for this month. After this, God knows I don't want anything more to do with this crap. But week two, we're beginning now. And for the record, I actually decided, because of the way that I can record my podcast, I actually record this as I watch it. I pause it and review whatever the previous segment was. So if you notice that I'm talking as if I'm currently watching it or haven't watched a part yet, it's because I haven't watched it yet And as I recorded. And I'm speaking immediately after I watched. And I tried my hardest to avoid spoilers on this one, which is fucking impossible because my dipshit brother decided to tag me and shit, and I'm like, I'm reviewing it. I don't want to discuss it until I do my reviews. Yes, you know who I'm talking to. But, is what it is. I didn't watch any of the matches prior to sitting down just now as I'm recording to watch this, and I only know the results of like two of the matches. So, and I saw something about a segment, but pretty much all of this is going to be my fresh take on it. And we will see how this goes and how much I get to bury this week. Okay, and we didn't even get to get off to a good start, a semi-good start like we did last week. I'm going to bury the fuck out of this first match. So first up, we have the tag match with Moxley and Kingston versus... With whoever the fuck, Nakazawa, Naka, whatever the fuck his name is, and Kenny Omega, you know, Twinkle Toes McFinger Bang. Let's keep that name for him. So, first off, I haven't done an appropriate burial for Twinkle Toes since the last time I reviewed AEW shit last year. So, let's rectify this. This unbelievable, untalented twat waffle. How is it, with all this time, you motherfuckers still want me to believe that the greatest wrestler in the world, the greatest wrestling artist, or whatever the fuck dumb shit he calls himself, this belt collector, 
You're supposed to, I'm supposed to believe that he's so great, but this stupid motherfucker literally points. Not only every time he hits the ropes, but every time he goes to the top rope, he has to point as if we need you to give us directions on where your stupid ass is about to go. Then, I'm going to bury everybody in this match. Just fuck it. John Moxley, Eddie Kingston. So we're still doing this thing where y'all come in through a, any way but the fucking entrance way, right? Why? You know, it was kind of impressive here and there, like when it was done by the shield, when it was done by the Sandman, but it's only impressive for a little while. At this point, especially when you don't have a full crowd for you to maneuver your way through, you're recording every, every fucking, uh, show from the same damn place so you're not going in arenas all around the world so it's not it's really even less impressive because you literally come in the same way every time and whether you come into a different doorway or not doesn't fucking matter at some point it begs the question of what's the purpose how does the and logically how does the sound guy know to cue your music aside from the facts that in real life we know that the, the show is formatted by fucking dipshit tony khan why? So your entrance was stupid. But before their entrance, we had Nakazawa and Don Callis coming out to, I guess, Kenny Omega's music. I'm sorry. I, he's, a, uh, he's a delusional little twat waffle, so I'm assuming that's his music. But he doesn't come out with them. And Callis cuts a stupid-ass promo where you compare Omega or Nakazawa or whoever he was comparing to Japanese legends like Enoki and Baba. No, no. Kenny Omega and this Nakazawa dipshit do not belong in the same sentence as those legends, ever. I don't give a fuck how much you're trying to sell that these are legit great athletes or whatever fuck you're trying to spin, Callus. It doesn't work. Those names don't belong in the same sentence together. Problem number one. Then, of course, he says Kenny Omega's not here. He couldn't be here tonight, so Nakazawa's gonna go alone. So then two dipshits come out, and of course, it's just another bait and switch so another show opens with heels attacking baby faces from behind immediately just got jumpstart shit right and then i'm going to berate y'all's tag rules your tag rules are fucking stupid because none of the people in this company aside from ftr actually understand tag team wrestling none of these dumb fucks know how to get their heat or do their double team moves under a count of five which is standard wrestling rules no 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 no. i'm sitting here watching the referee extend his count up to 10 no jackass 10 counts are when they're outside the ring when they are coming in the fucking ring and they're not supposed to be it's five count and then a dq Changing that rule is exceptionally fucking stupid and just shows that none of your tag team wrestlers, none of your wrestlers can fucking work tag matches. Then we go into the match itself. It was the shits. We have Twinkle Toes, McFinger Bang, pointing every fucking way. When hit the ropes, gonna point. I'm gonna go to the top rope to do a, I don't give a shit. I'm gonna point. Why? Why does no one grab his finger and just break the fucker? Why does no one punch him legitimately in the back of his fucking head when he points at the ropes, then turns completely away from his opponent and runs to that motherfucker? 
This is a horrible match. This is a horrible way to start your program off. I know y'all thought it was a good idea, but here's the thing. It wasn't. The match was shit. We knew Nakazawa was just there to take the fucking pin. Fine. Dandy. Whatever. So... Then there's the afterbirth because nothing in this fucking company can happen without a pre-match, uh, you know, bullshit and post-match bullshit. So then we get the Young Bucks coming out in what appears to be some form of Hawaiian outfit slash their mother's goddamn curtains because they have to and they walk out to distract them. So neither one of the two idiots in the ring has been in wrestling long enough to figure out if the two heel world tag team champions are part of this large ass group and they walk out and they just stand on the stage that clearly somebody's going to come blindside you from behind again and didn't you just get blindsided by the supposed world champion the supposed belt collector the supposed wrestling artist so shouldn't y'all have kind of seen this coming so basically this all amounts to the bucks and the good brothers and kenny omega beating the fuck out of john moxley and eddie kingston this was an abortion of an angle oh oh and then it ends with Kenny Omega pinning Eddie Kingston while one of the young dumb fucks counts the pin. So it's an imaginary thing. It's not like it's an official match or anything. It's supposed to make a statement, but all it does, especially with Kenny Omega's stupid wide eyes gaze, is make this look stupid, cheap, low budget, and like shit that we really don't want to watch because I don't want to see this shit. No one that was in this ring for this segment was really all that talented. I liked John Moxley before. I liked Eddie Kingston because he can actually cut a goddamn promo. Looks like shit. Cut a promo. John Moxley, eh, he's decent in the ring at least. And he can cut a halfway decent promo. He just doesn't, he doesn't work well if he doesn't have someone guiding him. And this is the result of no one actually giving him guidance. This is what he thinks sells, but it doesn't. And then you have the Good Brothers who, I mean, I thought they knew how to work. I thought they actually understood some wrestling shit, but it's just like, they're, it's just like a, they're having fun. It's like they're getting an extra check, I guess, by being here, and they're just going to have fun with it because nobody takes the shit seriously anyway. This was an abysmal fucking opening. Every part of it. It was stupidly overbooked. The match itself was fucking horrible unnecessary and also can someone please explain to me why Kenny Omega continues to feud with these two and not anyone that's in contention for his belt because I don't know what the fuck ranking John Moxley is but clearly he's not the number one contender so he's already had his rematch shouldn't Omega be done with this at this point this is a story of a feud that is just going on and on and on and it's not fucking good it's not it's really the fuck not and if anyone wants to say well their ratings are high let's be real it's the same people that always or that have been watching wrestling on wednesday nights it's just now they don't have to flip back and forth or choose which of the two to watch because nxt is on tuesdays and you're still okay Ooh, they're over a million congratulations you're only at the level of tna when it was on spike tv kudos and your show is as shittily booked as tna ever was 
It's legitimately like Vince Russo has the book in this fucking federation, only I don't think even Russo could have overbooked this bullshit this much or that he would have pushed any of these fucking twat waffles that are in this stupid ass group because none of them are as over as they think they are. Let's be real. Anyone that tries to say, well, the Bullet Club got over, which is what the elite is basically, right? They got over in Hot Topic because their t-shirt design was good and most of the fucking people that bought it didn't know what the fuck the shirt was. They just thought it looked cool. This is why the only reason the Young Bucks and them ever really thought they were over because they've never been able to sell this kind of merchandise in a company. No, no, they only did it when they were selling their shit through Hot Topic, okay? I'm gonna continue to bury these motherfuckers because they suck. They are horrid. They are horrible in the ring. You can tell after spending years, I have watched wrestling for 30 years at this point in my life. You can tell the Bucks, I don't know who the fuck trained them, but it doesn't look like they was very professionally done. And Kenny Omega was definitely not professionally trained because let's face it, motherfucker got kicked out of Harley Race's camp. If one of the greatest world champs in NWA history, the original NWA history, could not or did not be worthy of training, there's a fucking reason for that. And every time I watch this eye-bulging Ultimate Warrior ripoff son of a bitch in the ring, I'm reminded of this. He's horrible. This whole thing is horrible. This whole angle is horrible. It doesn't make any fucking sense, but I'm not even, and, and the, the worst part of this is, thanks to what few spoilers I did unfortunately have to see, I know this isn't the last time I see Kenny Omega on this fucking program, and I'm gonna bury him again later. Be prepared. All right, screw it. I'm just gonna go ahead and go into the next match. Look, I couldn't be less interested in Cody Rhodes versus QT Marshall. <sighs> I like Cody. I don't give a fuck about QT Marshall, I, to be quite perfectly fucking honest. I get that this was an angle, and my problem with it is this. A, it's continuing, clearly. B, it's unnecessary. C, everything Cody does is the fucking same. D, just like in the last match, we have an afterbirth. We have an aftermatch attack. It's bullshit. I don't... I don't care for this Anthony Agogo person. First off, that name just makes, it's so easy to poke fun of. So I'm just gonna say, I really want him to Agogo away from my goddamn screen. Dude, this, the match itself isn't horrid. I just didn't care. I don't care. I'm sorry to tell Cody this, but just because you're in it doesn't mean we care. And doesn't make it good. Doesn't, and if, if a match is going to be part of a storyline, I have to give a shit about the storyline to give a shit about the match. You can put on what somebody might put classify as a five star or six, seven, eight, nine, ten star fucking classic because apparently the stars go on infinitely according to Dave Meltzer, the fucking blithering idiot. But if we're not invested in the match, it doesn't matter how good your work was. Like if we're just outdone with the angle that led to the match, you're not really going to impress us the way that you want to. I get that Cody is the, the veteran talent in, in all of his feuds, apparently, except for the, um, the 
Luke Harper or whatever he called himself, Brody Lee won before he passed, but it's annoying. It's distressing. It's, I want to be interested in things that Cody does because I actually like him. I actually think he's a fairly great wrestler, but he's a shit booker. And every match that he books for himself, every angle that he books for himself, more or less just proves that. And then this match went on for fucking ever. Cody, my guy. Especially if this isn't going to be a blow-off match. Everything you do doesn't need to go 20, 30 fucking minutes. I also hate when people use Tombstone pile drivers, and it ain't a finisher. It's pile driver, my guy. And just don't. Just don't. Like... Honestly, they're too small to really make that work effectively anyway. But just one of the many things I'm just like, why in this match? And it went on and on and on for fucking ages. And then we get the ending with, you know, Cody won, but then gets attacked by this overly green ass boxer guy with his stupid ass gut shot finisher. And then he gets a fag, uh, flag, sorry draped over him and I've got news for you guys that was fucking stupid Jesus Christ someone take the damn book away from Cody Rhodes actually take the book away from all of the VPs and the guy that runs this dog and pony show and hire literally anyone in this company that actually understands wrestling and how it actually sells and make them book this shit so that we can get something that's passable so, I'm not going to bury the match itself for the quality of the match because it was what it was. And then there's this damn Scorpio Sky or whatever promo on my screen. And I'm, I'm going to be real with you guys. I'm not fucking paying attention to this shit. I don't care. I don't care. Oh, is this the segment where Darby Allen gets thrown down the fucking stairs? Well, let's just go ahead and... and I don't know. It's just them talking right now, I guess, or whatever. I don't know. It's it's droning. They're talking. No, this is where he got thrown downstairs. So then we have this angle. Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page toss Darby Allen down a flight of stairs. I'm supposed to be impressed with this. I do feel sorry for Darby Allen in that he has to be booked in this shit. not that it's unbelievable it's just that it's fucking stupid and pointless and i don't care about anyone in this scenario other than darby and you're not really making me care and i guess this is to try and draw more sympathy on them because of course i already i'm gonna spoil this part so that i don't have to review it later i know that there is the promo later where the former rusev now known as miro challenges a Darby for the title next week and if Darby can't compete then he forfeits the belt and blah 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 I'm gonna bury that right, right I'm gonna bury all this shit at once look um he's already the TV champ and he's already defending every fucking week okay it, it doesn't you don't have to go above and beyond to get sympathy on him and he's already little bitty and he gets his ass kicked the majority of his matches and then come he has to you know come back and come from underneath the win 
this stair thing and the way that they threw him down the stairs is like, dude, okay. Um, harsh. Um, unnecessary. And everything is a segment. Everything's an angle. Do we really need in-depth angles for a fucking TV title match? No, we don't. Miro was is so much less impressive as Miro than he was as Rusev. And I'm going to again point out the fact that your big thing was you weren't being used right in WWE. They didn't see your talent. That's what the you and the fans said. They, they didn't know what to do with your talent. Correct me if I'm wrong, but as Rusev, didn't the highest you ever get was basically winning the U.S. title, right? The mid-card title. And for lack of anything else, the TNT slash TV belt here is the mid-card belt. Weren't all these people trying to argue that you should have been competing for world titles in WWE and that's why it was a good thing that you left and now that you're in AEW, you're going to do so much more and, oh, you're back in the mid-card. Where you've been since you got here? Congratulations, you fucking moron. And because no one knows what they're doing over here, you don't look half as impressive now as you did in any part of your tenure in WWE. Congratulations, you dipshit. This is going to be a long, long show for me because the bulk of it is already the drizzling fucking shits and there's more to go. Oh, God. Okay, so more shit that I don't really care about. So we had Dr. Britt Baker versus somebody with the last name Hart, who's not actually one of the Hearts that I don't give a fuck. It was a squash match. The only thing I can say about it is, mercifully, it was short. And so someone somewhere does understand that squash matches are a thing and should be a thing. I really honestly want to know who the fuck actually booked that one and, and thought... Okay, this is the way to go with this, because it was a quick squash match that meant fucking nothing, but um, it's a squash match. You just show that Britt Baker was, I don't know, dominant or something? Because it wasn't particularly impressive. She didn't really show off anything. She just won by submission, I guess. Whatever. Don't care. It's done. It's over. Then we get this video package from Taz critiquing Christian. What the fuck is this? This view is going to continue. And then, apparently, we have a four-way tag match here. And I'm not going to... I'm not watching this. But I am going to point out this. Marco Stunt. Apparently, he's back. I shit you not, two of my three children are bigger than Marco Stunt. And would make about as much sense being in a wrestling ring as this little fucking twat waffle. Okay? I I don't... <sighs> I've heard very good things about Jurassic Express, but Marco Stunt's always the thing that I hear that's just fucking stupid. And it is. It is. He's completely fucking stupid. He makes no fucking sense whatsoever. Oh, SCU is in this. Didn't they just challenge the Young Bucks and don't they have a thing where they can't lose a tag match without breaking the fuck up or some shit? <sighs> okay, so we have at least one legitimate tag team. The Varsity Blondes with Brian Pillman Jr. and I don't know who the other guy is. Uh, uh, whatever. Okay, so it happened. Those are things that they're there. Who? The fuck? 
There's some other guy on the mic. You know what? I don't give a shit. I, I'm, I'm going to be real with y'all. I don't give a fuck about this match. I didn't hear anything about anything important. It's just a four-way tag match to get eight guys on the fucking card, apparently. And, um... Why, why else would I care? Look, their tag division here sucks. I'm sorry. I'm not going to suffer through a lot of this shit. This show isn't going to end up being as long as the last review just because, Jesus fucking Christ, this match, this card, this whole show is abysmal from top to bottom thus far. I honestly can only say that I hope that the Blood and Guts match or whatever the hell they call it was worth sitting through so much unadulterated, absolute fucking horseshit just to get to because nothing in this match resembles wrestling. It's just bullshit. I could watch backyard wrestling that is more entertaining than everything I have seen on this show thus far. And this is what you people think is competitive to the WWE. This is what y'all thought was an alternative. This is what y'all thought would get wrestling fans back. No, damn it. This is fucking bullshit. I cannot... Force myself to watch it can everything in the show because it's just when you start off shit it it just all goes downhill there you know I thought the idea would be to open up with something to hook people I thought that was the idea and I, I thought I heard somewhere that they said that was you know McMahon's thing the top of every hour should have some kind of top storyline possible main event type guys something that would draw fans in and make them want to keep watching everybody on your card is not going to draw everybody on your card is not going to be interesting i get that but the start of your show they thought was interesting i realized was utter horseshit and as somebody who has not been regularly watching the past two three years um this shit makes me never want to watch again. I'm going to watch two more weeks because I said I'd give y'all a fucking month of this shit. But you're not getting anything beyond the month. Not out of AEW. I'm sorry. This is just... This is a chore to watch. People say Monday Night Raw is a chore to watch. No, no, no. I think I'd actually rather sit down and watch Monday Night Raw than this shit. I would rather sit and watch Raw, SmackDown, and NXT in fucking order than to continue watching one episode of AEW. And I'm not apologizing for that statement. And it's not that I think WWE is just this stellar-ass product, but it's definitely better than this shit. Guys, I don't know what the hell else is in this show, but I, I'm not going to have a lot nice to say, and I don't know what to tell you. Oh, buddy, I was waiting on this particular fucking promo to come up now. So I'm going to bury Kenny Omega again, and I'm going to bury Orange Cassidy, and I'm going to bury them both at the same fucking time because they're in a promo together. So we have Tony Schiavone comes out here and announces after Kenny Omega comes out and speaks because he has to speak, apparently, that the number one contender match will be held next week between the two the number one and number two ranked wrestlers in AEW who are Pac, formerly known as Neville in WWE, and the dipshit that is Orange Cassidy. Kenny tried really hard in this promo. He tried really hard 
And his points might have sounded better if it were literally anyone other than him making them, but... In Kenny Omega's attempt to be the uber heel here, he has to talk down to a potential challenger, only one of whom I guess is a babyface. So he talks up Pac, who has in fact beaten him, and who's actually more intimidating than him. And I, even though he's slightly smaller, I think would probably be more believable as a champion because he takes the shit a little bit more seriously. And then he basically calls Orange Cassie a nobody that is in championship material. Now, here is where Kenny Omega and I actually agree. Orange Cassidy isn't fucking championship material. Any championship. What the fuck? He's a fucking blithering idiot. But here's where I'm going to rip Kenny Omega a new one. You tried too hard to hype up how popular he is. And fact of the matter is, he is very popular with the AEW diehard audience. But to say things like, oh, I see people with their hands in their pockets. We didn't get that from Orange Cassidy, you stupid motherfucker. That just happens. Unless you're talking about the fans in the arena, which is not what you said. Stupid. He said he sees kids dressing up as Orange Cassidy for Halloween. So you see kids walking around in blue jeans and a blue jean jacket, you dumb, dumb fuck. I can guarantee you the majority of those kids aren't thinking, I'm dressing up like Orange Cassidy because I don't know who the fuck he is. And... Every other example that he used was inane and stupid because no one outside of AEW's diehard fan base knows who the fuck Orange Cassidy is. No kid, none of my children, no children that I know, if I go and say, hey, do you know uh, somebody named Orange Cassidy? They're going to be like, who the fuck is that? Because they would have no reason to know him because he's not over, except for with your limited ass fan base and indie idiots who actually think... I don't know, that a motherfucker can win a fight with his hands in his pocket, you fucking idiots. So, here's the problem that I see. <sighs> Kenny Omega doesn't draw shit anyway, but if you're, if you're going to play like he does, let's play like he does. The only match out of these potential matchups that would make some semblance of sense and be semi-realistic to main event anything, if you must ha have this match, would be Omega versus Pac. But let's be real, they're probably going to go with Omega versus Orange Cassidy. Because why not? I mean, the fucking, this is supposedly, from what I hear, their biggest pay-per-view of the year, I guess. This is their WrestleMania, right? It's not, but okay. It, it doesn't come fucking close, but whatever. So, your potential main events are the drizzling fucking shits either way you go, to be honest. You have to deal with Kenny Omega as champion, but if you're going to have to deal with him, I mean, you're going to put one joke in there with another joke and main event a, a pay-per-view that you expect motherfuckers to pay like $40, $50, $60 for? I don't know how much it is, and I don't care because I'm not buying shit. This is what y'all. This is what Tony Khan thinks is is, is going to sell pay per views for real. This is going to break some records. Oh, and, and and it's going to have a live audience, like at full capacity in whatever the fuck facility they're doing this shit at, because they're going to have like five thousand fans in attendance. 
Oh my God, this is what y'all call a main event for a pay-per-view. <sighs> Under the conceivable notion that Omega is a sensible world champion, which he's not, but let's play. Let's, let's play along with this. Let's play like Omega could really draw and, and be believable as a world champion. Anyway, other than this fucking shit fest, right? You're going to turn around and tell me that Orange Cassidy makes sense to be challenging for your world title? I wouldn't even give him a shot at the TNT title, which I think he might have had one already, but I don't give a shit. But I definitely wouldn't have given him a world title shot. Not even against the joke of a champion like Kenny Omega, because at least Kenny Omega looks a little bit more serious. I mean, granted, and, and another critique that I forgot to give in the match earlier was that Kenny Omega can't throw a goddamn punch, a sled shot, any damn thing that looks believable. His belt shot even looks horrible. But okay, I'll, I'll play along with you guys for this scenario only. Because I'm hard-pressed to figure out which of the two was more fucking insulting to me as, a, as an actual wrestling fan. Not as a quote-unquote sports entertainment fan, but as an actual wrestling fan. I can't decide whether Kenny Omega or Orange Cassidy are more insulting. But next week, I'm going to have to review all of this shit. So basically, I'm going to stop at, I think, I guess at like the final show before um double or nothing and um oh my god and no i'm there's there's no way in the blue fucking hell that i'm paying for me to watch double or nothing to, to review it on here no way in hell if i had a way to watch it for free i'd consider it just to complete the cycle of burying this shit Finally, after they announced some other shit, and by the way, there's an IWGP US heavyweight title match because John Moxley holds that belt, which he never comes out with, but next week he's going to defend on the show. And I know everyone gets all excited, like, ooh, a wrestling company cooperating with other wrestling companies, ooh, ooh, ooh. Pause. This has been done before multiple times. Did y'all forget when TNA was cooperating with NJPW and IWGP? Because did y'all forget that at one time, Kurt Angle in 2007, 2008-ish was TNA champion, IWGP heavyweight champion, and the X Division champion, and then like the tag champ, and then some more IWGP shit? Bruh. The problem in this case, though, let's be specific to AEW. The problem with this in this case is your own talent had criticized you because even Chris Jericho, when they brought in, after they, you know, the world title was made, the tag titles, the women's title, then they brought in the TNT title, and then when Taz came in, he brought in the FTW title, and even Chris Jericho said, we're overbooking, there's too many belts, they don't, they don't mean anything as it is, we don't need any more. Well, here's the problem. I know that they think that this is a, a spectacular thing to see a different company's titles defended on here. We've seen the NWA title, the women's title defended over here too. The problem is there's too many belts. 
That, that's too much. It's too much to follow. If I was just randomly channel surfing and came across this, I would be confused to be watching a program called AEW and see a belt that says IGWP or whatever the fuck being defended on it. I would question why. And then, now knowing what I know, y'all can't even make the belts that you have mean something. You're doing a halfway decent job with the TNT title since it's on Darby. Halfway. Your world title is meh at best. And Kenny Omega rightfully called it the richest prize in, in the business or whatever because that's what you're supposed to say for your world title when you're the champion of a company. But as a fan, I know it's bullshit. That title doesn't mean a goddamn thing right now. It, it doesn't have enough history. It, it, it means fuck all of nothing. It's just too much. And then, you know, some of these champions in the other companies are honestly superior talent comparatively to the AEW talent. Mm, but you're not hiring them on full time. I have to see Marco stunt on my television, but you're going to bring in these far more talented, more legitimate looking people to challenge for belts that don't belong on here. You've already got Kenny holding the AEW world title, the Impact world title, apparently the TNA world title because Impact thought it was a smart idea to act like they're two, that's two separate companies, two separate brands and two separate lineages when it's fucking not. Which, by the way, idiots running Impact. The way wrestling titles and shit works, if when the company changes names, the same guy is wearing the fucking belt, you didn't hold a tournament to crown a whole new belt, the lineage continues. So the TNA title and the Impact World title being two separate belts makes no goddamn sense because they are legitimately the same championship lineage. It, you're insufferable twats and a lot of you can go roast on a goddamn fire. At, at this point in life. Too many different brands. Too many different belts. Then Kenny Omega has the AAA Mega Championship or whatever. Too much. Too much. It's overbooked. It's... It's not as revolutionary as y'all make it sound because it's been done before. And... While it's not really the greatest thing for WWE to have the monopoly that it has on the business... There is business sense in making sure that, generally speaking, only your champions appear on your show. And on the very rare occasion you let an outside champion come on, it serves a purpose. It has happened in WWE when they allowed ECW back in the 90s to, to show up on their brand. But, overall, at this point in time, AEW needs to focus more on building its brand before it keeps bringing in these lesser brands, one of whom is the brand that you're taking the place of and you're, you're at their height, i.e. Impact. Just be real with it, guys. Like, I, I'm sorry. I, I've had enough of burying this, though. Hopefully this Blood and Guts match redeems the show somewhat because Jesus fucking Christ, this has been a chore. Okay, so now... I have watched the entire blood and guts match, as they call it. Um, I'm not going to be as harsh on this match as I was on the rest of the show because it wasn't bad. I maintain that the feud itself was rushed. 
I think that this particular match should have been held off for a few months. I would have done this one pay-per-view with a crowd. You know, I mean, they had a crowd in there somewhat, but with a regular crowd. And I would have let this feud go for several more months. This was an easy six months to a year program. And you've already given them... First off, you'd already blown off all of the heat when you have the baby faces after getting beaten up and bloodied come back and do the exact same thing to the heels two weeks later or however long it was. You blew off the heat that this match should have had. But the other problem is, and this is what Tony Khan and nobody else in this fucking company seems to understand, which is surprising considering at least two people on commentary alone were around for the original war games and two managers that work in this company were in those original war games. One would think that they that somebody would be able to explain to Tony Khan this is a feud ending blow off type of match. If you're going to continue this program with these two factions, you don't do war games this early. But nobody's going to stand up to the money mark that pays them. So the match itself wasn't bad. It was the original War Games rules. As we know, War Games was modified after the original. It was modified in WCW to eventually allow pinfalls. But the original rules are submit or surrender. Which I am... I guess I'm okay with. Uh, I, I mean, there's not really any argument that I can make against it. And... I'm going to say this because I have seen some people say online and now I've seen some people absolutely trash this match. I don't think it's necessary to trash it. Um, it wasn't bad enough to trash it. Was it the best war games I've ever seen? Fuck no. Was it the worst? I don't know. Did they do war games in 2000 when Russo was booking? Or was that Rage in a Cage or whatever? No. I don't, point is, this wasn't the worst war games I've ever seen. It wasn't the worst match I've ever seen. It was definitely the best match on this fucking card tonight. As it should have been. Admittedly, these are probably the best entering workers they have in the company overall between both factions. Certainly better than the so-called fucking elite. But... I have a couple of criticisms outside of the stupid-ass booking to get us to this match. Um, where do I even start? Um, first off, there was a Spanish fly done on the ropes. That was stupid. Dude, this is a fight. Do not do stupid-ass, heavily-assisted moves in what's supposed to be a for-real-like war. You're in war games, asshole. Treat it like war games. If you both have to balance yourselves on the same rope and you have to take a few extra seconds to do it, it's a move that didn't need to be done in this match. If you're doing a, a, a match that's basically war games, but you're going to call it blood and guts, all I want to see is, is, is the blood and guts part of this. I want to see a fight. I don't want to see you do flippy shit. Okay? That wasn't necessary. Minor criticism, but still valid. Um... I didn't have any problem with the order of release. I mean, we had solid in-ring workers here. There wasn't anything else that was really egregious. That just bothered me personally. The other thing that slightly annoyed me was the commentary because I understand this is a War Games match, but I also understand that you had to call it something different. 
<sighs> yeah, we know it's a fucking War Games match, but play like it's your own original shit and don't. I don't see the need to call back to WCW, NWA when the original or War Games were and mention that uh, JR and Tony were there for the first one. Eh, fucking need all that. Maybe a nitpick, but whatever. Um, the problem I kind of have with the original War Games rules is that it's very hard to get out of if you want everyone to look strong. And I, my other criticism is this. Everyone does not need to try to be Mick Foley falling off the cell. Because it never has the same impact because everything in that match didn't go the way it was supposed to. The reason that Mick Foley falling off the cell, especially the second time, was so impactful was because the first time was planned, but he didn't land right. The second time was not planned, and he's lucky to be alive. And every match that they've had that has had a cage, somebody has fallen off it, done a dive off it, whatever. And I want to issue that criticism to every federation because, honestly, WWE is just as guilty of it. Stop doing shit off the top of the fucking cage. It no longer means anything. We just saw WrestleMania. Braun Strowman threw uh, Shane McMahon off the top of a cage back into the ring. Now, what made this one far worse than that, it was at least that was a cage fall into the ring. It ended the fucking match, whatever. And... The ending of this was, you know, MJF and Jericho, the two that have the most beef, on top of the cage, because MJF had to get out, apparently. And when MJF had the advantage, he threatens to throw Jericho off, forcing Sammy Guevara to actually surrender the match to keep him from doing it. And of course, being the chicken shit heel that he is, he threw him off any fucking way. No problem with that part, since you had to be up there. The problem comes in, and where I saw a lot of criticism for it, and I'm going to co-sign on this. The padding on the stage in AEW every fucking time they do anything off the stage is so obviously fake. I am not saying that I legitimately want you to throw this man through a metal stage. Absolutely not. I, even though I'm not very fond of Jericho as a human being right now, I don't necessarily wish death on him. Um, so, I'm not saying that, but... It was so obviously rigged for him to fall through. So obvious. Like, and you even put what looks like what would be the stage ramp or whatever, and you made that fucking cardboard, and we can tell. I, as a fan, should not be able to tell how you rig the fucking stage for someone to go through it, ever. Now, to be fair, there have been some moments in WWE history where something's been rigged very obviously. If, for example, going back to 2004, JBL and The Undertaker at SummerSlam when he got chokeslammed through the limo, that roof was very obviously rigged. And that was fucking shitty too, so I'm calling shit shit. That looked stagey as fuck. And because we've already seen so many of these dives off the stage, dives off the cage, falls through fucking stages, through tables and all that shit, not only here, but across the fucking platform, you know, every platform of wrestling at this point, it really isn't as impactful as they were trying to make it. 
if the staging hadn't looked so obviously fake, all of the medical attention and shit they did would have been okay. Also, it looked a little bit, and I saw other people mention this too, that like after Jericho went through the fucking stage, at a point while he's down there, people are checking on him, he smiles. You ain't Mick Foley, motherfucker. That doesn't work. It doesn't make any goddamn sense for you or your character. You should be in pain. And even though, like I said, it looks so damn stagey with how he fell through it, it looked like a damn crash pad covered by cardboard. If you're going to do it, find someone from some fucking where that either knows how to make it look legit on impact or angle your fucking camera so that it is not directly showing the fake ass pieces of stage that he clearly fell through. All right. It, it just looks phony than a motherfucker. I get the point. I don't agree with the need to do everything on top of the cell, but they had to find a way to get the hell out of this. And nobody in this fucking company knows how to do anything but these dangerous ass high spots. And they've learned almost nothing from when they fucked up with Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara, except they put a crash pad down there, but they don't know how to cover it. And the sad part is there's so many producers here that have worked in WCW and WWE where they can do this a lot better. And I guess none of them must know how to do it or they must not give a fuck enough to tell Tony Khan, this is how you make it look less stagey. All these veterans, you got Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, Jake the Snake Roberts. Dean Malenko was a producer there and none of y'all could make that shit look less stagey than what it looked like. It's a little disappointing, personally. But... Beyond that, I will say the match was actually pretty fucking good. Just rushed. Personal opinions there. So, that was... I do have one other overall criticism of this. And I'm going to say this, and a lot of people might get a little pissed off with me. JR does not belong in this company. And now I'm not saying that like some people are saying that he's less than on commentary. I'm saying it because he lends his credibility to a product that has none. And if they were trying to do things as sports based as they originally claimed, which, by the way, you know, in Kenny's earlier promo, he mentioned that wins and losses matter, but they fucking don't because he's been in a feud for six goddamn months or whatever with fucking John Moxley. So clearly wins and losses don't matter that damn much if they're only just now addressing the number one and two people being honestly both mid carters, but whatever. Listening to JR on commentary is painful, not because he's doing a horrible job, but because he has such a horrible product to call. And his dry wit is starting to come through more when it doesn't wouldn't normally need to, because there's a lot of things on this show that you can tell Jr. does not agree with. He either falls silent or he's really sarcastic. Pay attention to him on commentary. If something is really fucking stupid, Jr. either will not commentate on it to try to maintain some of his credibility, or he will say some sarcastic bitter ass shit about it and i've heard him admit this on his podcast that if he does not agree with something he won't call it okay well i'm noticing that a lot 
JR does not belong in this company. But unfortunately, as long as Kevin Dunn has a fucking job over at WWE and Vince McMahon has his head up his ass and thinks for some reason that Michael Cole is actually a good announcer, you know, this is what we have to deal with. And to me, the number one company in the world should have made sure they had JR on whichever one of their many fucking shows he was willing to do regularly he clearly doesn't want to retire he doesn't want to go home vince should have sucked up his fucking pride and this project that has been michael cole for the past 20 years admit that it fucking failed and put he should have made sure before AEW ever came into being that he got jr signed his ass to a contract and if jr said i want to go do fucking commentary in nxt or i want to do it on raw i want to do it on smackdown you should have fucking given it to him you give him a decent partner, because God knows don't pair him with Corey Graves. But you give him a decent partner that he can work with, and you let him call it. I don't think JR fits here. I, that's just me personally. I think JR was better suited to products that are more believable. And this fucking company is, I'm sorry, like any other indie promotion that you could see in your local city with higher production values but it's books like any hardcore indie promotion it's it's like if ian rotten was booking on television just my personal opinion take it or leave it but i really really wish vince mcmahon had not fucked up and let jr go i wish he had locked that man to a contract and let him stay as the commentator as long as he fucking wanted to because no one gives a shit what the commentators look like anyway we give a shit about how they sound And JR clearly is still good at his job. So I, just my personal preference, I would rather, with the show, this show being as shitty as it is, I would rather JR not be there. Not because he's bad, but simply because he's the best fucking commentator in history, as far as I'm concerned. I know he might say Golden Sol- Gordon Soley. I personally say JR was the best of all time, and he really should not be on a subpar product. His choice, I get it, but Vince fucked up here. So this is my review for AEW for this week. I'm going to suffer through two more shows and I'm done with reviewing this. And then for my own sanity, I'm, I have to review something better to watch. I, I fucking have to because this has been taxing. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to close up here and... Y'all know the drill. If y'all have feedback, you leave me a voice message on Anchor or, you know, send me feedback on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at Draco's Den or on my website, Draco'sDen.com. I'm tired after watching this shit show and I'm going to sign off here. Be well, everybody. Talk to you next week.